You are listening to the audio podcast of the weekly message preached at Central United Methodist Church in Arlington, Virginia. You're invited to worship with us in person on Saturdays at 4.30 p.m. or virtually through Zoom or Facebook on Sundays at 10.30 a.m. Visit us at www.cumcballston.org. There you can learn more about our congregation and how we worship God, serve others, and embrace all. Today's scripture is from a letter written by the Apostle Paul around A.D. 67. This is during his second imprisonment in Rome. It's written to Timothy, who is in the town of Lystra, a town in Ephesus. On the modern map, that would be in south-central Turkey. From 2 Timothy, chapter 1, verses 1 through 7. From Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by God's will, to promote the promise of life that is in Christ Jesus. To Timothy, my dear child, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. I am grateful to God, whom I serve with a good conscience, as my ancestors did. I constantly remember you in my prayers, both day and night. When I remember your tears, I long to see you so that I can be filled with happiness. I'm reminded of your authentic faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice. I'm sure that this faith is also inside you. Because of this, I'm reminding you to revive God's gift that is in you through the laying on of my hands. God didn't give us a spirit that is timid, but one that is powerful, loving, and self-controlled. The Word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Well, Pastor Sarah tells me, Sandro, that you have been reading the Brian McLaren book, We Take the Road by Walking. So there's a book where the author retells the biblical story and reintroduces us to the Christian faith. The book offers insightful reflections and transformative practices. So this week, we are reading chapter 48, The Spirit of Power. So the text that we read today is from a letter from the Apostle Paul to Timothy, who was not only Paul's friend and travel companion, but a young theologian himself. Now, let me ask you this, friends. When was the last time you received a letter in the mail? Now, I mean an actual letter from, not from a bill collector or an ad, but a real letter from a friend. We don't receive many letters like we used to anymore, right? Maybe a few people still send us birthday cards or Christmas cards or perhaps a I'm thinking about you card, if we're lucky. But we rarely receive a letter where someone is updating us on their lives, talking about the changes in their neighborhood or the new knitting class they started or how marriage is going, how the kids are changing, and what's new in their garden. Technology has, in many ways, brought us closer by giving us the ability to reach people quickly with phone calls, video calls, social media updates, emails, and text messages. 
We are literally a minute away from people, regardless of where they are geographically. But in many ways, technology has kept us apart from really spending time with people and enjoying the more profound and more meaningful connections and really being involved in community, like as past generations had. Now, Paul and Timothy enjoyed a good 20 years of ministry and friendship. Paul referred to Timothy as a son, a brother, and a fellow worker. Timothy's father was Greek, but his mother and grandmother were among Paul's first converts from the Jewish community in Lystra. So Paul became a mentor to Timothy. They traveled together throughout Europe, planting churches and spreading the gospel. But when Paul wrote the second letter to Timothy, as we already learned, Paul was in prison in Rome. Paul knows that things are not looking good for him, and he might not leave prison alive. So think about this. If you're a mentor and know that your time is near, what would you want to say to the one who's most likely going to carry out the ministry? What would you say to the partner staying behind? You cannot send a text, an email, or make a FaceTime call, not even a collect call from a payphone. But you have paper and a pen. So what we're reading here in 2 Timothy is what Paul believes would be his last words to his godson, his brother in the faith, and his companion in the journey. So Paul starts his letter with the introduction, as Paul typically does in his letters. And he calls Timothy, my beloved child. Then he says in verse 6, I am reminding you to revive God's gift that is in you. So, okay, let's park here for a second and ask ourselves, do we even know which gift God has given us? It's easy to see the talent in others, those who sing, those who lead, those who are artistic and creative. But what about the rest of us? We have skills here and there, but gifts, spiritual gifts, gifts that have already been given to us and need to be revived. So even though Paul is writing specifically to Timothy, we are also the ones today carrying out the gospel. So therefore, the message that Paul is sending out applies to us as well. So, okay, perhaps we have heard all about the fruits of the Spirit. Some of us know them by heart. Actually, my daughter just taught me a song she learned in children's church. Maybe you've heard it before. It says, the fruit of the Spirit's not a coconut. If you want to be a coconut, you might as well hear it. You can be a fruit of the Spirit. Because the fruit is, and then say with me if you remember, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Everybody gets a tent. But you know, growing fruit takes work. If you ever try to plant anything, you know you have to tend to it. Water it, expose it to the sun, clean it up, keep bugs away. A fruit doesn't appear overnight. It takes work. Most of the work is not even visible to us. We don't even see what's happening on the inside of the tree until the fruit pops up, and then it starts to grow. 
but we reap the benefits of the whole process. The same thing with the fruits of the Spirit. It's an inward process, and other people get to reap the benefits of the healing process that the Spirit puts us through so that we can be used for the glory of God. Now, last week, we learned that the Spirit wants to partner with us to bless others. Well, what kind of blessings can we give people? What kind of blessings can we be for people without knowing, cultivating, and using these gifts that Paul is reminding Timothy to use? But what is even more incredible is what he says in verse 7, that God did not give us a timid spirit, but a powerful spirit. And that line is essential because all of this talk of fruits of the spirit requires supernatural strength. No wonder Paul is telling Timothy to revive those gifts, because if we are not careful, if we don't tend to them, they might wither and die. Now let's take a closer look. We see that the fruits of the spirit are types of behaviors and responses we give when things don't really go our way. Now, when is love hard? When you love people who don't love you just because Jesus said so. They don't deserve it, not one bit. But day after day, you pray for them. Day after day, they might try to harm you, but your response has been to love the particular person who has never extended any grace or kindness to you, but still you persevere in showing love because of who you serve, which is Jesus. The spiritual gift to love those who do not love us is not easy at all. And that's why it's a fruit. It takes time and work. Now, when is joy hard? When we're in the midst of sorrow, joy is not hard. I mean, joy is hard. (laughs) It almost sounds out of touch with reality to find joy, not happiness, but a constant display of well-being, the ability to find comfort in knowing that everything works for the good of those who love the Lord. Now, when is peace hard? When we are in the middle of a war, a war with ourselves, with family members, and so on. Now, do you have peace when you come home? Do you bring peace with you everywhere that you go? Are you able to keep the peace? That is a fruit of the Spirit. It requires work. Our world could very much benefit from this fruit right now. All the time, really. Now, when is patience hard? When things don't happen when we want them to. When someone doesn't answer our email, we are quick to text or call, hey, did you get my email? I mean, let alone wait for healing, or wait for the right time to make the decision, right? Now, when is kindness hard? Have you ever been treated unfairly? Do you mean I have to be kind then? Being kind when we get superb customer service is easy. As long as we don't say anything mean, we're golden. But being kind when someone has been consistently mean over time, that is hard. When is goodness hard? We don't receive anything back. Some people like to help others because it makes them feel good. Well, That is not goodness. 
nice, it's a nice feeling, but that's self-care. Not a fruit of the Spirit. A fruit of the Spirit here would mean to be good at all times, regardless of how we feel. Now, when is faithfulness hard? We need to sacrifice our will to follow Christ. That can be tough. Have you ever chosen not to do something you wanted to because it was not the will of God for you? It doesn't mean what you wanted was wrong. It just wasn't God's will for you at that time. And on the other hand, when God nudges you to do something, do you get up and do it? Or do we tend to ignore that sweet whisper? When is gentleness hard? When someone has been rude to us over the years, gentleness can be really hard. When people are difficult to deal with, when you have offered grace and they have rejected it, the amount of power and self-control that it takes to be gentle, not nice, but gentle in all of your, our intentions and our interactions, that is supernatural. When is self-control hard? When you, when you are right and you feel like you deserve certain things, Having, having self-control around our eating habits, our screen time, the things we watch, living a life of discipline, exercising our spiritual disciplines, it's, it's a gift that we already have. So it's possible, but it's something that we can develop. You know, friends, this passage tells me that God did not give us, gave us a spirit of excuses, God gave us a spirit of power, power to live out our gifts, power to be more like Jesus, because imagine if any one of us had developed all of these gifts in a lifetime. I'm sure we would have a much bigger impact in the world than what we do now. We would be known for our love and not for the things that we condemn. We will be known for our love and not for our judgmental ways. We have the chance to influence society in all levels, our neighborhoods, our schools, our government. But we cannot go unprepared. We cannot take hold of the spirit of power without these gifts. So Paul said it to Timothy, and I'm saying it to you today, revive the gifts that the spirit has given to you. Now, if you don't know which gifts you have, take some time to discover what they are this week, and use them for the glory of God. Friends, this is not a time for us to set our lives to cruise control, but it is a time for the church of Jesus Christ to rise up with power. Now, let us not make the same mistakes that the Jews made when they were expecting the Messiah. They wanted an army general to take over the Romans. But God sent Jesus as a humble servant to die on the cross for all humans. Let us not think that our power is in our money, our status, in our ideas, in our intelligence, in our connections, or in our lobbying. Our power is in the spiritual gifts God wants to use in the world. Gifts that many times are seen as lesser than the talents the world produces. How do we win against the invisible forces of evil? We can revive and boldly use the gifts that God has placed inside of us. 
So this week, I encourage all of us to discover our gifts and cultivate all of the gifts by boldly using them in the world. Let us not be ashamed of the gospel of Christ, a gospel of peace, a gospel of love. Amen.